We're going to check in with our guy, Parker Thune, from the All-American Games. What did he see? What was his big takeaways? We're also going to get a head start on the 2024 recruiting cycle and figure out if Oklahoma is actually done in 2023 on today's episode of Locked On Sooners. You are Locked On Sooners, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma Sooners. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Sooner Nation? Welcome to Locked On Sooners, and thank you for making Locked On Sooners your first listen every single day. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Go hit the subscribe button over there. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. My name is John Williams. You can follow me on Twitter at John9Williams. You can read my cover the Sooners over at Soonerswire.com. My buddy here is Josh Helmer. You can follow him on Twitter at JoshOnRef. You can also hear him Monday through Friday from 9 to noon on 94.7 The Ref in Norman. And we're also going to bring in another good buddy of ours, Parker Thune of OU Insider at 247 Sports, also of 94.7 The Ref with Steely and Thune at noon. Parker, what's up, man? Hey, how you fellas doing? Always a pleasure to jump on with you. Yeah, we're excited to hear from you, especially, you know, you, Brandon, and a whole host of uh, other OU media folks were out on the road covering some All-American games. But And that's kind of where I want to start because you got to see some OU signees up close and personal both in Orlando and in San Antonio. And we can just start in Orlando and go chronologically here. What was kind of your big takeaway as you watched some of those guys perform? Because there's a, a whole host of guys down there, you know, playing in that All-American games against some of the top competition, going through practice drills with those guys during the week, which I think to me is as, as much of an important kind of time to evaluate or watch these guys as it is in game time too. So just – kind of initial takeaways from that and who really stood out to you? Yeah, well, certainly I think Jackson Arnold was arguably the most impressive player down there in Orlando. And there was little disagreement, little debate on that across. And, you know, that's one of those events where you got scores of analysts from various networks, a lot of whom are seeing these players live for the very first time. And obviously with as much as I'd seen a Jackson Arnold, it, it was kind of to be expected the weekend that he had in Orlando. So uh, to me, though, the big takeaway was he's got a legit chemistry brewing, which equates Petaway. And uh, that was really cool to see because those two had never really gotten the chance to play together or practice together until the All-American Game festivities and really seemed like those two were clicking. So intrigued to see how that manifests itself in the Crimson and Cream. Uh, first opportunity for me to see Lewis Carter. And that dude's a dog. He's not very big. Uh Six feet, if that, but man, muscular as all get out, flies the football and arrives with some power. Make no mistake, that's a guy that you're going to be grateful to have in the linebacking core in the years to come if you're a Sooner fan. But I think the big takeaway from the weekend for me and for a lot of folks that were in attendance is, man, P.J. Atabari is going to be a problem when he gets to the University of Oklahoma. And you take a look at that defensive end room and how it's shaping up next year. You got R. Mason Thomas coming back. You got Ethan Downs fresh off a second-team All-Big 12 season. Uh, Reggie Grimes is back. Marcus Stripling presumably is back. You add to it the likes of Rondell Bothroyd and Trace Ford. And so there is plenty of quality depth right now at defensive end for Oklahoma. And even so, 
I wonder how long you're going to be able to keep P.J. Atabari off the field because he's just a special talent, the likes of which Oklahoma does not have on the roster right now. When you talk about the physical tools, uh, pushing six foot five, he's going to be in the neighborhood at 240, 250, I would say, by the time opening day rolls around in September. And the speed and the speed and the power is what really sets him apart and what has enabled him to rise to the point where uh, we sit here today and he's a five-star prospect with an opportunity within the final rankings update to rise into the national top 20 or even the top 15. And so uh, obviously PJ is a guy that uh, I was fortunate enough to get acquainted with pretty early on in the process, even before he had the offer from Oklahoma. So uh, when you get to know him, uh, get to know what drives him, get to come to terms with and, uh, really realize the reality that he's all business, all ball, not one of those guys that's going to get in his own way or get distracted uh, by all the various sideshows that come with being a collegiate athlete. Uh, he said it himself after the All-American game, look, I want to be the best defensive end that's ever played football at the University of Oklahoma. And yeah, that's a high bar, but I will say this, he has certainly got the physical tools to be that guy one day. It all comes down to whether he can stay healthy and whether he's properly developed. So what about San Antonio? What uh, what stood out from San Antonio? Yeah, well, I would say the Sooners had three of the most impressive individual performers there. Uh, Josh Bates broke his hand in the second quarter of that football game, so we didn't get to see a whole lot of him. But Makari Vickers uh, was a guy that folks were raving about all weekend. The physical nature of the way that he plays the cornerback position – is impressive. He's pretty big for a cornerback, every inch of six feet, uh, muscular physique, and unafraid to initiate contact at the line of scrimmage, get up in your face, uh, make you get by him at the initial point of attack uh, before you try and route him up. And so uh, really liked what I saw from Akari Vickers, very much liked what I saw from Josiah Wagner as well, who's not a big guy, five foot 10, 170, 175. So he was, in general, the smallest guy on the field when he was repping for the West team at the All-American game, or All-American Bowl, excuse me. But you'd never know by the way that uh, he flies around the football field with no regard for life and limb. Yeah, he's probably the smallest guy out there, but he doesn't care, man. He's, he's hitting you in the mouth. He's going to lay it on you every single snap. And when he's coming downhill, and much like Lewis Carter – it's a guy that regardless of how big he is or rather how small he is relative to a lot of the guys that he's sharing the field with, he's going to arrive with some pop and he's going to arrive with some power at the point of contact. And so uh, my first chance to see Josiah Wagner live, really liked what I saw from him. And a guy that I've seen quite a bit of to this point uh, was Samuel Masigo, the four-star linebacker out of Crandall, Texas. I will say he is – perhaps the most physically ready player that I witnessed at the All-American Bowl in San Antonio. All-American Bowl, not All-American. I see, I, oh man, the last two weeks has my brain in all kinds of knots getting those two games confused. But when you, especially when you limit that query to the linebacker position and you took stock of the linebackers that were there, I'll be honest, to Celia Kana, whom the Sooners were doing battle with, uh, with Texas for the longest time going into the early signing period. Uh, he showed up, it was barely 200 pounds and you know, still has that 
athletic uh, build, still was moving plenty well, but it really looked undersized, really looked like a guy that's going to need some time in the weight room once he arrives on campus before he's ready to compete. Samuel Masigo, to be honest with you, it looks like a guy that can show up and instantly play power five football. And looks like a guy where if you, you know, if you told me he was a sophomore or junior in college and had already been in a collegiate strength and conditioning program for a couple of years, I'd be inclined to believe it. Uh, chiseled physique, uh, 210, 215 pounds of just pure muscle, man. There is no bad weight on his body. And one thing that really stood out uh, to my coworkers as well that were in attendance there, and a lot of the folks that I got the chance to witness the game on the sidelines alongside was, you know, his team's just getting buried. That game was not close. The East prevailed over the West, 55 to 17. But yet, even as that game is well in hand, and even as his team's taking a pounding, and even as the motivation to stay on the field is diminishing with each snap, Samuel Masigo continues to pursue the ball with 100% fervor on every single snap. And so uh, it's that that love for the game, that work ethic, uh, just the love of football that has always stood out to me about Samuel Masigo, but that really manifests itself in a way that I don't think I'd seen from him quite yet, at least to that extent, uh, down in San Antonio. So all told, I think among the Sooners 11 signees that participated in the All-American games these past couple of weeks, and this is not just me talking, I, f- I feel as though anybody in the industry would concur with this. Uh, maybe the individual contributions that those 11 guys turned in uh, didn't show up in the box score necessarily. Maybe some weren't as conspicuous statistically as others, but I don't think there's a single one of those 11 guys where you could have evaluated their individual performance and said, yeah, that was somewhat of a disappointment. They didn't live up to the billing. Now, every single one of these guys uh, showed up and showed out in a big way. And in some cases, I'm specifically more so than anything else referring to guys like Jackson Arnold and Omasigo and PJ Atabare. There were a handful of guys uh, that legitimately had outstanding performances. And one guy that isn't going to show up in the box score, but definitely stood out and was kind of making some waves on the social media side was Caden Green, just his ability to just play with physicality. So that's an intriguing prospect to watch uh, as he, you know, is he, he's an early enrollee for Oklahoma, right? That's right. And all these guys are showing up this weekend, the 14th of January. And yeah, you mentioned Caden Green, another guy that, uh, you know, he's I, I feel he's much like Jacob Sexton, where maybe the plan isn't to have to play him right away. Maybe that's not in your best laid plans at the University of Oklahoma. But if you needed that guy to step in and play offensive line in year one, he'd be more than capable of doing it. And he did have a good week, had some ups and downs throughout the practice sessions. But when they actually hit the field in a game environment down in Orlando, Caden Green <laughs> there was there was nobody that was getting by him. And I think some of that had to do with the fact that it was his guy that he was protecting in Jackson Arnold. And that's that's Caden for you, man. Like when he's when he's got a mindset of, you know what, nobody's nobody's getting past me because that's my guy that I'm protecting and I'm gonna make sure nobody touches him. And he's he's a force to be reckoned with. The blessing and the curse, Parker. The beautiful thing of sports is Hey, the early signing period, that's great. We love this class. We love these signees. What's next, right? That's what everybody wants to know. The the blessing and the curse of recruiting and sports in general, what's next? So we'll talk a little bit about that in just a moment. 
First, uh, betonline.net. They uh, bring us this episode in part of Locked On Sooners. And look, you're probably curious about what's next in terms of the futures for the 2024 college football playoff national champion. What does it look like? I think we uh, were digging into it and end of last night's show was 66 to one or in that neighborhood for Oklahoma betonline.net though. They're your number one source for not just college football betting needs, but NFL playoffs it's here. So it is upon us head on over to the website today. Use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and the action that's bet online where the game starts betonline.net your number one source. So with that in mind, what what's next the beauty and the curse of sports that's what folks want to know this 2023 cycle we've seen obviously Oklahoma be very active transfer portal wise is this 2023 class done is there anything that fans should have on their radar for February for Oklahoma no not really it seems as we sit here tonight uh, at this point, it looks like Oklahoma is going to add another offensive lineman and another wide receiver via the transfer portal, and that's pretty much it. Uh, with David Aguebu hitting the portal a bit later in the process uh, as a grad transfer, maybe that opens up the possibility that Oklahoma takes another linebacker, whether uh, via the recruiting trail or via the portal. I would consider the portal more likely at this point. Uh, but not really anything right now that you look at heading into the February signing period as the potential addition, potential late addition for Oklahoma's recruiting class. I think the 25 guys that you got in the boat right now are going to be the 25 guys that comprise Brent Venable's first true recruiting class as Oklahoma's head coach. Speaking of the portal, before we move on to the 2024 you know, recruiting class, who's the guy that's kind of like you're the most excited Oklahoma landed in the transfer portal and you're most excited to see on the football field this year? Well, I think the obvious answer is to Sean McCullough, right? Just because uh, that's a, that's legitimately a player that everybody in the nation would have made room for and taken. He was, uh, I don't think there's any question, very little debate uh, at any position in this transfer portal cycle. He was probably one of the top 10 guys available. And the fact that Oklahoma ended up securing his services is massive because he is an immediate answer at a position of need when you look at the cheetah and uh, come to terms with the reality that Deshaun White's not coming back and you need somebody that you can plug and play there, somebody with experience and somebody with a very high ceiling, that's Deshaun McCullough. And so uh, he's the easy answer to me, but I, I think beyond that, are, are people undervaluing the addition of Austin Stogner, because it kind of feels like to me that they are. That's not something that most anyone has talked about in great detail ever since he committed. Maybe it's just because, you know, it's not as sexy to talk about a guy like that when you have a lot of familiarity uh, and he's already spent three seasons at the University of Oklahoma. And so maybe everybody's just kind of taking it for granted. that Oh, you know, he slides right back into the offense where he used to fit. You know, you don't really have to give it a second thought, but no, man, I think as, as the clear number one option at the tight end position in this offense heading into 2023, people need to understand from a physical standpoint, Austin Stogner has got one of the highest ceilings at that position of any player in America. And you haven't really seen it for a variety of reasons over the years. Injuries came into play. Uh, lack of usage certainly came into play both in 2021, his final season at Oklahoma and 2022, his lone season at South Carolina. And so 
I think there's going to be an increased opportunity and expanded opportunity for Austin Sogner to really strut his stuff at the tight end position in 2023. So I don't think it's as simple as, oh, this guy's a member of the tight end room once again. He's sliding right back in and he'll just be what he was for the first three years that he was a Sooner. No, I think uh, you're going to see a reinvigorated Austin Sogner in 2023 and really do believe that uh, he is going to take on the lion's share of the workload at that position, especially uh, now that Oklahoma missed on Jake Roberts in the portal. And so it's Austin Stogner and everybody else in terms of experience, he's going to get the lion's share of the snaps. He's going to get the lion's share of the targets. And I'm really eager to see what he does with it because uh, I think the potential is off the charts, assuming he's hundred percent healthy and I don't have any reason to believe otherwise. So the the other big-time offensive ad out of this transfer portal hall is the news that Andrew Anthony Jr., the wide receiver from Michigan, is coming on board. We uh, see the big game versus Michigan State, but beyond that, when you look at the recruiting profile that was and just some of the film that is kind of floating around out there, what is Oklahoma getting in Andrew Anthony Jr.? Yeah, well, another receiver that brings size and speed to the table, right? And I think – there are some folks and <laughs> I, some cynics, I would say, that look at this edition and say, well, how how is Oklahoma going to bring in a guy like that who's only moderately contributed at the University of Michigan and maybe moderately is being generous? He's hardly made any substantial contribution over the course of his collegiate career. And my response to that is, well, you, you're not bringing the guy in to be Marvin Mims. I don't think that's anybody's expectation for Andrew Anthony. What you're bringing in is another individual that can come into this room, compete for snaps. And you know what? If he proves that he's good enough, stacked up alongside the likes of J.J. Hester, L.V. Bunkley Shelton, Gavin Freeman, uh, Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, if he proves he's good enough that he outpaces those guys and earns his – spot in the starting lineup and earns a legitimate snap count week to week, then great. If not, somebody will step up. And that's the beauty of strength in numbers, which is what Oklahoma has right now in the receiving core. Jalil Farouk and Drake Stoops are your two most proven commodities. I am bullish on Nick Anderson heading into 2023. I think he's going to take a quantum leap in terms of production. And then you throw in the other guys I mentioned, Hester, L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, Jaden Gibson, D.J. Graham comes to the room on a full-time basis. And then you got Gavin Freeman. you got a couple exciting young freshmen in Jaquez Petaway and Keon Brown. And let's see, maybe Oklahoma ends up with another receiver via the portal before it's all said and done. But I don't think you're necess- you don't necessarily have to hitch your wagon to Andrell Anthony. And I don't think he needs to be a thousand-yard guy for this move to make sense for Oklahoma. Yeah, because they were able to make things work with, you know, Marvin Mims and then a rotation of dudes on the opposite side of Marvin Mims. Mostly it was Jalil Farouk, but you also got some Theo Weiss. You saw a few other a Gavin Freeman from time to time and then Drake Stoops in the slot. But I, I, I totally agree with you. And I was having this conversation with somebody on Twitter as well. It's like you have a group of guys that, OK, you, you like you brought them in here because you like the player that they are. Now it's a matter of putting throwing them all into a competition and see who's the king of the mountain at the end of it. And this is just another guy with, he's got talent. He's got skills. He wouldn't have gone to the university of Michigan if he didn't. So there's something there. 
And now it's just a matter of unlocking those things, the speed, the size, the big playability, unlocking it and seeing if that's going to be enough to translate to a starting role for the Oklahoma Sooners. we got a few more questions here for Parker uh, before we let him go. But first, got to talk to you about Built Bar. It's the number one protein bar, the best tasting protein bar you've ever had. 100% covered in chocolate. Tastes great. Great for you. Four or five grams of sugar. like, But it tastes like a candy bar. And I'm not lying. I've had it for two and a half years. It's on my fridge every day. It's my breakfast. It's my late afternoon snack. If I'm looking for a sweet treat, which I love the sweet treats, but as a 40 year old man, that's right. I'm a man. I'm 40. I got to break away from the Reese's peanut butter cups and I got to go with my built bar. The peanut butter brownie hits home every single time. A great meal replacement, or if you want it for a pre-workout, does that as well. Anywhere from 17 to 18 grams of protein. Again, four or five grams of sugar, as few as 130 calories, only 180 calories at the most. Go check it out. They also got great granola bars as well that I love and the Built Puffs. If you're down with the, the marshmallowy texture, go check out the Built Puffs. You get 15% off using our promo code LOCKEDON15 over at Built.com on your first order. Again, Built.com, promo code LOCKEDON15. So, Parker, we saw the national championship game. It was a smackdown. Like, it was the big show versus Rey Mysterio for all you wrestling fans out there. It was just a domination at the highest order. But a lot of talk was about the four, the blue chip prospects that they have on that roster and how they did a really great job over the course of five recruiting classes, having these top five and a couple of different times, the number one recruiting class, according to 24 seven sports. So my question to you is this for the Oklahoma Sooners. Now we've got one top five recruiting class in the Brent Venables area. He's got two top 10 groups. What's it going to take for Brent Venables for the Oklahoma Sooners to kind of get to a level where they are competing on at that same level as an Alabama as a Georgia talent wise, how many recruiting classes will it take and can they get there? Well, they they can certainly get there, John, especially once they make the transition to the sec. But I think what it's going to take with the easy answer is it's going to take top 100 recruits. It's going to take elite guys and Oklahoma has got eight of them in the 2023 cycle. If that can be your benchmark going forward, if you can get six to eight of those guys every year, you're setting yourself up really well. But also, you have to have the capacity to develop the guys that fall just outside blue chip range that you can identify as players that, you know, maybe they develop later in the process. Maybe they don't really flash on tape until, until a junior or senior year. I look at somebody like Taylor Wine in Oklahoma's class as a perfect example of that. Right? But when you look at Georgia's defense, in particular, if you look at what they built this back-to-back mini dynasty championship program around, uh, yes, you have elite recruits that panned out, that were properly developed, and that ended up being stars. But you also had guys, i.e. Javon Ballard, right, that maybe weren't blue chips coming out of high school, but you took a look at the tape and you conclude, you know what, this is a really good football player, and we have a vision for him. We believe that this is what he can be in our system. And we're going to take a chance on him. We're going to bring him on campus and trust that our vision for him is going to suit his skill sets, going to be conducive to his ultimate success. And that he's somebody that can be a key cog in a national championship machine three to four years down the road. And so that's where coaching comes into play. And I think you have to have a lot of faith 
and a lot of confidence in Oklahoma's coaching staff when you look at the track record of development for guys like Brent Venables and Brandon Hall and Jeff Levy on Brandon Hall as far as as far as he's concerned. If you didn't get a chance to watch Troy in 2022, you didn't get a chance to watch Troy's defense this past year. They had statistically one of the best defenses in all of college football. Brandon Hall built that defense as defensive coordinator there for three seasons. All those guys were guys that he recruited and plugged in and developed. And he had the primary oversight role in all of that. So Brandon Hall is one of those guys that I think flies under the radar because uh, you know, he doesn't have a background as a player like DeMarco Murray, and he doesn't have national championship rings on his finger uh, like a Brent Venables, for instance. But when you really dig into what he's done as a coach and as a developer of talent, it leaves you quite optimistic as to what the future looks like at Oklahoma. And I'll, I'll add this as well. Uh, nobody was on Georgia's level in 2022. Nobody. And uh, Ohio State was close. Michigan was close. I think TCU was a lot closer than 65 to 7 would indicate. But Georgia's in a league of their own right now in college football. And to me, they've taken Alabama's spot on the pedestal as the premier program across the country. And now the question becomes, okay, can you catch them? Can Is there another program out there right now, save for Alabama, which is always going to be right there with Georgia, neck and neck, as long as Nick Saban is head coach there. But can you ascend to that level? And what's it going to take in order to ascend to that level? And I think Oklahoma has a lot of the key pieces. It's just a matter of time, and it's a process that you can't rush. So we saw Javante Barnes be one of the best backs on this roster. Obviously, Eric Gray had an incredible season, but Javante Barnes was was right there as your number two back. I think everybody came away and said, okay, wow, Gavin Sachuk might be that dude. So we've seen we've seen each of those two guys really impact things here early at Oklahoma. The 22 class beyond that, who's the signee from that group that you look at next season, not named Javante Barnes or Gavin Sachuk, where you say, okay, they're they're set for a big breakout. Mm, that's a great question. I think Gentry Williams has the opportunity to emerge as a starter at corner. Uh, Jake Sexton's injury that he suffered in the bowl game is going to set him back. Uh, but I think if he is ready for fall camp, which isn't given right now, but if he is ready for fall camp and he is a hundred percent recovered and that timetable does accelerate a little bit, or he's able to hit the earlier portion of that recovery timetable more so than the later portion, uh, then that's a guy that I would expect to be in the mix to start and that I would favor to start on the offensive line next year if and when he is fully recovered. And then, again, I go back to Nick Anderson. And and I know people didn't get the chance to see a whole lot of him this year, and that was in large part due to the injury that kept him off the field for the majority of the fall. There's been a lot of buzz about Jaden Gibson, and deservedly so. But make no mistake, Nick Anderson's just as good. Every bit as good. And I am on record and have been for a few weeks now predicting that uh, that dude is going to be one of the legit breakout guys for Oklahoma in 2023. I fully believe that. And so turning the page to 2023, that signing class, you mentioned Samuel, you mentioned Caden Green. 
Is there another guy, maybe even Lewis Carter, is there another guy that you think could end up having an impact as a true freshman uh, in 2023? That's a good question. Uh, I don't, my thing is, I don't necessarily think the design is for any of these guys to be impact contributors right off the bat. Uh, I, I think if you have if you have solid play on both sides of the football and you're confident in what you're rolling out there defensively and your offense is able to effectively move the ball in the absence of some of these true freshmen, then great. Because you know what? It, it, it puts their timetable where it probably needs to be. Uh, you don't have to rush anybody along any faster than they're ready to, uh, than they're ready and willing to go. But that said, I do think there are certain members of this class that are going to be too good to keep off the field in year one. And I point to PJ Atabare as the guy that probably tops that list for me. Uh, I think you will see him and see him quite a bit on the field this coming fall. Uh, I would say the same about Peyton Bowen. You know, it's on the one hand, it's super easy to point to the two five stars and say, Hey, those guys are going to play early, but that's the way it is, man. Those two are special athletes. And yes, the Sooners are very deep at safety. Yes. They're very deep on the defensive line. I'm not convinced it matters because they're good enough that they're going to play. That's exciting. I mean, that's what, that's what Oklahoma fans, man, that's what they need to see. That's what they want to hear. I feel like for those listening along on the podcast side, Parker Thune's a man that needs no introduction, but just in case you're listening along Parker Thune of OUinsider.com before we get out of here, encourage everybody. You want that, you want that subscription status at OU insider. So go check that out for a very, very small rate to uh, get all of the up-to-date Oklahoma recruiting information. Parker, man, it does an incredible job. Brandon over there does an incredible job. Just the the team in general. My older brother, Joey, obviously working there too. But before we get you out of here, Parker, the 2024 class, we saw with 23, I mean, it was like everybody was trying to throw shade at this 23 class this time a year ago. And then, you know, this time, you know, 10 months ago, and then in the summer, it really heated up for the 23 class, as, as you said it would. What, what is sort of the timeline in your mind for this 2024 class to, A, get its first commit or so, and then B, to really kind of have that avalanche of commitments? I think you'll have your first 2024 commit by the end of the month. I really do. And you have Michael Hawkins' announcement set for January 31st. If somebody beats him to the punch as OU's first commit, great. If not, I think that's who it is and have felt from the get-go that that was going to be Oklahoma's quarterback in the class of 2024. And so I do think this class is going to get rolling in a big, big way, and I think you're going to start to see the snowball of commitments start rolling a lot earlier than it did a year ago. And so I I think by the end of March you could have – six to 10 commitments for Oklahoma. Uh, I think once you get the first couple guys in the boat, uh, it's really going to start rolling and it'll get rolling pretty quick, especially, and I know I've mentioned this before on the podcast with you guys, when you look at that East Northeast side of Dallas, there are a lot of guys that know each other very well and that play within the same vicinity, in some cases within the same district that all have a lot of heavy interest in Oklahoma, Michael Hawkins, Xavier Filsamy, Brian Jackson, Nigel Smith, Peyton Pierce, Aaron Flowers, Eli Bowen, Peyton's younger brother. So 
yeah, there are some names in this class among the guys that Oklahoma is currently pursuing that could commit early in the process to help get that ball rolling for the Sooners. And I think the sooner you lock in your quarterback, and like I said, there's a very good chance the Sooners are able to do that by the end of the month. The sooner you lock in your quarterback, the better off you are when it comes to building those peer-to-peer relationships and being able to peer recruit effectively. Because in some cases, your most effective recruiters are your commits. And naturally, this is just the way it is. Guys gravitate towards the quarterbacks. They gravitate towards the guys that are perceived as leaders. And Michael Hawkins is a guy that's held in very high esteem by his peers, a very likable kid, very humble, very businesslike. And so if that's the type of figurehead that you can secure early in the process in the class of 2024, yeah, I I don't think Oklahoma is going to be rolling into the month of July with five commitments the way that they were a year ago. And in the end, Oklahoma ended up with the number five class in the nation in the 2023 cycle. So it begs the question, right? If you can, if you can lock down some of those blue chip targets earlier in the process than you did a year ago. And even when everybody was writing the epitaph for Oklahoma football recruiting in June, 2022, uh, you were able to come up with a top five class. How high can that class fly if and when you start getting those early commits that you just didn't get a year ago. So then my final question on that note is who's the 2024 guy that you're most excited about that Oklahoma Sooners fans need to pay attention to? (laughs) Well, see, it's, it's a lot more ubiquitous of an answer these days because this guy has really shot up the rankings to the point where he's now the number one defensive lineman in America. But I'll give you the same answer I would have given you six, eight months ago. It's got to be Williams Nwaneri at Lee Summit North in Missouri, a guy that was high school teammates with Caden Green, plays for an ex-Sooner in Lee Summit North head coach Jamar Mosey. Five-star defensive lineman, six foot five, two hundred and fifty pounds. Uh, that's a unicorn type of player in this class. You turn on the tape; guys shouldn't be able to move like he does at his size. And there's a reason why he's gone from being a borderline top two fifty guy this past spring to cracking the top one hundred by the fall to now being the number three player in America per the 24-7 sports recruiting rankings and the number one defensive lineman, even ahead of a guy in David Stone, whom Oklahoma fans are more than likely quite familiar with, and that is a dynamo in his own right. So when I look at what OU has the potential to reel in on the defensive line in this class, you're talking about names like David Stone and Williams Winery and Nigel Smith and Zadavian Sims, and maybe somebody like Logan Thomas, a recent offer that lit it up at the All-American Game Combine event for underclassmen. So uh, defensive line in particular is an area, and it's a position group that has the opportunity to be transformational for Oklahoma in the 2024 class. They really could put together a transcendent group of players Uh, to build a championship roster around. And that's where it has to start defensively for the Sooners is up front in the trenches. So if you can land four national top 100 prospects all on the defensive line in Winery, Stone, Sims, and Nigel Smith, that's a heck of a foundation for this defensive class. 
And we're going to end on that note because, I mean, what better way to end than a hopeful note to build something that Georgia's got, a top-flight defensive front that makes life easier for everybody else. So make sure you all go check out Parker's work at OUinsider.com. Also follow him on Twitter at Parker Thune. Live show is still on what night, Parker? Uh, it's going to be on Wednesdays. So we've taken the last couple of weeks off due to travel schedules, but, uh, throughout the off season, it should still be on Wednesday evenings on the OU insider YouTube channel. Yep. So go subscribe to the OU insider YouTube channel there. Make sure you're aware of the live shows over there. Follow Parker on Twitter. Always great content insight and go subscribe to OU insider. I'm a subscriber. I go read Parker's work. I read all those guys because they just provide really, really great insight. It's, it's always good to learn from people, so it's good time. So go check it out over there. Subscribe to Locked On Sooners wherever you get your podcasts. We're free and available on all podcast platforms and on YouTube. Hit the subscribe button over there. Hit that notification bell to let you know when new episodes drop. Follow the show on Twitter at Locked On Sooners and on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. You can follow Parker at Parker Thune, Josh at Josh on Ref, myself at John Nine Williams, where we can talk all sorts of things. NFL playoffs, you can get involved in my Dak versus Jalen debate that's happening right now on so on Twitter. If you are into that sort of thing, I'll debate with you on that. But you know, baseball is right around the corner. So we can debate that too, because the Royals suck and the Rangers, you know, we're trying to do something, but and the Cardinals, uh, we hate those guys. So um, but that's beside the point. But until next time, again, thanks again to Parker, Josh, I'm John Williams, Boomer Sooner. <laughs>